I um, it just took me a little bit because I was setting up uh, my Mac to be able to do this recording. I was going to do this on my Windows machine um, that's got my like my good webcam on it. And then I realized that I had rested my foot absentmindedly on the USB cable and sheared off the, uh, the USB-C socket on my, my Logitech stream cam. Welcome to GCP Life. This is episode number eight. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And on today's show, we look at more new Google features. We take a look at Google's real income. We see how much you could have earned chasing bugs. And we look at the reasons you should be using Google Cloud. But before we get to any of that, I want to introduce someone new as a co-host today, and that's Dave Wall. How are you going, Dave? Oh, I'm doing great, thanks, Stephen. How are you? Awesome, mate. Awesome, awesome. Very happy to be here. Excellent. Yeah, how's it feel to be on the other side of the mic? <laughs> it's a uh, you know, long-time listener, so uh, you know, it's very exciting to be here and uh, be a part of the pod. Awesome, awesome. Um, have you? Uh, what have you been up to during the week? Uh, I've had a. Well, a, a mildly frustrating week. I had a, a new 3D printer turn up, which is great. It comes in a kit. I like a little project to be able to build it. Um, unfortunately, I broke one of the parts. On the plus side, it was a 3D printable part, and I still had a printer, so I was able to reprint that part. But it was like a very frustrating morning when I was like, I'm trying to get this thing going, and then it finally snaps. I'm like, <sighs> download uh, yeah. the STLs, fire up the other printer. It's very deflating, isn't it, when yeah. things like that happen? Yeah, it is, right. but then it was like, ah, oh, well, the other one's paying for itself again, so it was, it was sort of nice. Um, so that'll be a weekend project to finish putting that together. Awesome, awesome. And what do you print with your 3D printer? Because uh, I don't have one. I've never played with a 3D printer. Uh, I, so, I really need to get into it. Yeah, it was, um, it was like my lockdown, like lockdown one project for myself, like in early 2020, I picked it up. Um, and I design, I make a lot of like rack mountable hardware. So I like to take like my, my router and stuff and I make them rack mountable. And so I kind of custom design all those. And uh, I've got like a little Etsy store. I just sort of fling them off to other people who like them. And uh, yeah, so I, I kind of do enough of it that I need another printer now. So Yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. So it's, a, it's a good hobby. It's nice when it pays for itself. Yeah, awesome. Well, um, I've been playing around a little bit with Terraform registries, uh, registry modules. Um, yeah, pretty easy to do. You just set up a, um, set up a, a Google, re- uh, set up a, 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 Git, a GitHub repo, and uh, you point the uh, you, anyone can create a Terraform module, and then you just you go into there and you, you have your account there, and you just point that to your repo, and you give it a certain name, and bang, you've got a Terraform module, and you can call that within Terraform. Very very cool. Um, I've got a couple of things in mind to build some custom modules out for us, um, make make things a little bit easier. And um, they have, by their nature, they have to be publicly available because obviously if you want to call it from within your Terraform code, um, it needs to be able to source that from from GitHub, right? Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys know once I've, I've fleshed that out a little bit more. But, yeah, really easy to do and um, really, really cool thing. Really cool thing. I like it. No, that's great. Um, and uh, now, Dave, since, uh, since this is your first time on the show, we always, we always do this now. Um, 
anyone that's been on the show for the first time needs to tell us a tech or IT horror story. Now, I can, I, I, I'm sure you've got one, but I, I'll, I'll just uh, break the ice here. I've got one. I've been busting to tell this one for a little <laughs> while. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it now um, while I've got the opportunity. Uh, back in the old days, um, we, uh, you know, we, we're working in mid space, mid space in the data center, and I'm building out a staging environment um, for you know because that's what we had. We had to have real hardware back then, and I, I'd been in the uh, been in the, the uh, delivery room, and there's boxes and boxes of hardware, um, load balancers, uh, uh, Cisco sixty five hundred nine chassis. Uh, a couple of Dell servers, a couple of uh, Sun uh, E250s, a uh, bunch, of, bunch of stuff. Unpacked all that, threw it onto the pallet jack. So, right, I'm going to take all this up. I'll get all this installed today. I rack and stack all this today. All good. Anyway, to get into the staging area was up the goods lift. And you go up the goods lift and you go around a little corner and there was a little ramp to go up into the staging area. And of course, I'm I'm going with the pallet jack, and I'm pulling, I'm pulling the pallet oh, jack, no. pulling. You, you got the picture in yeah, your mind, yeah, right? I can, I can see it. I'm there with and, you, and and I'm there going up the ramp, and the ramp's like one of these things. It's got this uh, little rough surface on it, you know, so you can get some grip, right? It's very handy, so you can get some grip. Safety first. But it's also, of course. But it's also making the pallet jack bounce up and down just enough so that all the equipment slides off the pallet jack and down the ramp. <laughs> I don't know, probably about a quarter of a million bucks worth of gear, maybe more. <laughs> oh, you should have a scratch and dead sale afterwards. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm there by myself trying to hold the pallet jack, stick my foot under the wheel, trying to stop it all come falling down. Load balances, uh, Altian load balances sliding down. Uh, one of the chassis that came off, a couple of servers. Uh, it wasn't a good situation. Um, so I, I kind of, I was there. I got a few of the stuff, a few of the bits and pieces off on the ramp and sort of managed to push up what I could from the back up to the top. And then, um, yeah, quickly, quickly, no one saw me. I quickly pulled it all together, put it back on the rack. Now, I did end up building out that staging environment and there was nothing wrong with any of the equipment, fortunately. <laughs> but I, I think I was saved because um, the, the stuff didn't, it didn't, didn't fall a great high, if you think about it. It more sort of slid off the back and then down the ramp. It was more of a sliding action, not a falling action. <laughs> so, yeah. When you, when, yeah. Like you need, you really need to push pallet jacks up a ram, not pull. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe less equipment at a time. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was I was young and exuberant, you know. It's like I'll do it in one. It's oh, like groceries. I'll do it in one it's go. <laughs> so if you can top that, Dave, I'm, I'm all ears. All right. Well, I've got two for you. I've got a really short one, and then a, and then a bit longer, more involved one. So for the short one first. Um, I was in the data center and one of our uh, kind of business partners who owned um, an automation application VM uh, just wanted to have a look around, see what it was like in the DC. So I was giving him a bit of a tour and explaining to him how like, you know, VMware works and the SAN and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm explaining to him about how like if, uh, you know, a, an ESXi host reboots for any reason or it fails, how the VM will move 
you know, it'll reboot, but it'll come up somewhere else. And at the time I'm standing in front of one of these hosts and I noticed that it wasn't like the rack ears weren't clicked in. It was like sitting forward about a centimeter. And I just absentmindedly put my hand on the front of it and click it into position. Should be fine. No, it immediately shut off and then turned back on again. Like Oops. while I'm standing there with the guy whose application is running on that box. Oops. And, um, and I know it happened to be on that box because afterwards, I, after I was like, I excused myself from the data center with him and go back and I check vSphere. And yeah, I was like, oh, one of your VMs did actually reboot because of that action. Turned out there was a slightly loose power cable in the back and that oh, little jostle was just enough to. Uh, wow. Got to plug those things in. Yeah. yeah. Got to push them in properly. Yeah. 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 So uh, that was the, <laughs> that was my little one. Didn't it, have dual, dual power supplies? Not a thing? Well, I, I, so it did. Uh, I'm, I guess they were both a little loose. It was, yeah, either way, I wasn't wow. expecting that to Just happen. went off, yeah. Like, yeah. And typical when, you know, the customer's like standing there as well, right? Yeah. You couldn't just pass yeah, it off wow. as like something that happened in the background. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I'll make up some excuse. No, 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 no. You you did that, mate. You did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, so that was like the little one. Um, the slightly more involved one was I was doing a uh, an upgrade of a VMware cluster and um, – it was a it was a fairly large environment, and the first warning sign really should have been that the all the uptime on the host was well over a year. So they hadn't been rebooted, they hadn't been patched. I was in there to kind of fix that for them, and uh, we'd done a bit of work with trying to fix VMs that we sort of knew that wouldn't vMotion nicely. And there'd been a few that were like pinned in the system. So we went through, worked out like, oh, okay, cool. Citric next, net scalers like can vMotion now. So yep, we can unpin that and that'll all work. And we had a high degree of confidence uh, that it was all going to go well. And so Friday afternoon comes around, we kick off the upgrade and it's long. That's two hours per host in this particular environment. And it's about 6 a.m. the next morning when the calls start coming in that a particular application server had failed because it didn't vMotion well. And it was a uh, Windows clustered file share, right? And there is a very specific way you're supposed to set them up on VMware, very specific. And uh, like the VMware documentation on how to do it, this particular one was set up exactly the opposite. It was that all the things ah. that it says do not do, it was how it was set up. Uh, and they'd just been lucky that the, the VMs in um, in scope like had never vMotioned in, since they'd built it. They just sat on these boxes. Um, but, of course, rolling through and re- doing each node one at a time, it forced them to move around. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah one went. And of course, it wasn't monitored. Well, the VM was up, but the disks were down. That wasn't monitored. And then the second one went like eight hours later. And uh, yeah. lo and behold, P1. Outage. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that sounds like it should have been a rebuild, you know, like a rebuild in a new environment done properly and then migrate the data across. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was uh, it was certainly some interesting findings that came out of the PIR at the end of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, you got to get the right people to do the right job, right? And you got to get the people that know know this stuff. But you know, I mean, sadly, it's not always easy to do that, and it's not always easy, easy to get the skills to start with. But oh, for sure, 
Yeah. Um, wow, okay. Well, that's, that's some doozies there, mate. Absolute doozies. Um, yeah, no, look, it's good to have you on the show. Um, have you um, have you heard that uh, they've announced the dates for Google Next? I had heard that, yeah. Yeah, so we're looking at October 11 to 13 this year. Uh, no more information at the moment. So um, we'll keep across that and we'll... Um, yeah, we'll do a little bit of reporting on that when it when it comes around. So this, Maybe we'll get you back on the show, Dave. Oh, that'd be great. Um, mm. Is there any news on whether or not it's going to be in person or is it all virtual this year? I do not know. That's that's a good question because we're we're starting to come out of all this uh, hubbub. Um, look, I'd imagine. Um, you know what? I, it, it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if they go for some sort of blended arrangement. Um, I know there's a couple other conferences that um, I've sort of, um, you know, sort of kept across the last couple of years. They, um, that's what they're doing. They're, they're having some on-site uh, and, and, you know, some, um, you know, recorded or, or streamed. That would actually be quite a nice uh, way to do it, I, I would think. But we'll see. Um, yeah, so October 11th to 13, 2022. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, now look, we, um, I want to introduce a new segment to the show, um, and I'd been think I'd had this on my show, show, uh, segment list for a little while, and, uh, if we got the rights to the Paul Kelly song, Dumb Things, I'd be playing that in the background right now. Uh, <laughs> this goes into the Dumb Things department, and I'm really, really sad to say this. I had to play around with Cloud Skills Boost during the week. And uh, look, it's it's uh, it's not so good, not so good. Um, it's it's clear it's it's an MVP. Um, they Google's trying to get into the uh, the training uh, side of things, which is great, right? It's admirable. That's exactly what they should be doing. Uh, but right now, it's it's really not where it needs to be. Not compared to uh, I use a Cloud Guru. I, I've said that before, and it's it's not a patch on what they're doing. Um, the so, origin for Skills Boost is that just an evolution of Quick Labs, or is it a, a new platform? Because I, like I've been doing a little bit of coursework in the last week, and like it feels very much like Quick Labs. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like an adjunct or it's an extension of that. And um, look, I, the the number of problems that I see with it at the moment, and this is this is all anyone you know if you're from Google's listening to this. You, it's all should be taken as uh, positive feedback, positive criticism. Um, the content, it's all there. From what I can see, the content is there. I, I, I went and had a look at, um, you know, introduction to Google Cloud because I, I wanted to compare apples to apples, right? I wanted to, to do a subject, some subject matter that I'd done before so I, I could see if all the, all the content was there. And the content all appears to be great. The content's all there. Um, my biggest gripe with it is just the interface. It's horrible, right? Now, when I when I watch one of these videos, I tend to watch it at faster speed, so one point five, maybe even two, right? Because I don't know if you know, Dave, when you um when you when you listen to someone, they speak. I think I think I'm getting the numbers right here, right? The numbers are about they speak about two hundred and fifty words a minute. But your brain and your reading speed is capable of consuming about 500 words a minute. Well, I think I think that's right. But my point is, when you're listening to someone, 
your brain's got a lot of dead air. There's a lot of empty space, right? It's true. It's what happens, right? Yep. So you quite often, you'll, your attention will drift, right? And that's that's one of the reasons if you put a slide up when you're talking to someone, quite often people will be reading the slide and not paying attention to the person, especially if there's too much text in it, because the reading of the slide consumes more brain activity than the actual reading. Or I try and flip between the two, and then they don't they don't consume either of them well, right? So if you are doing a video, turn the video speed up, and your your focus and concentration on the video will actually improve because your brain all your brain power is consumed on the video, then and not not drifting in between something else in the meantime. Um, there's a couple of studies around that. I suppose I could probably find one and, and link to it. Sounds like um, a good study pro tip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a study pro tip. And, of course, you get through the videos a lot quicker, right? You do a 10-minute video in like seven or seven, six minutes, right? So I like to do that. Now, the videos on Skills Boost are about 90 seconds, right? <laughs> so maybe two minutes tops. They've chopped them up into really small videos. Now, that means I get through one of those videos in about 45 seconds, right? And every time you finish a video, you've got to click, you've got to mark it as done, then click on the next chapter, right? And then, not only that, they're using the YouTube video player, at least in Chrome on my Linux box on KDE, the, for whatever reason, the player doesn't quite size properly to the size of the browser, so it's a little bit bigger. So I had to scroll the browser down and change the playback speed on every single video, every 45 seconds. That right? sounds immensely this frustrating. Yeah. is very, very distracting. <laughs> right? You cannot consume content like that, right? Having to do that every single time, there is no way, right? You need a good video, right? A cloud guru, I'm going to go back to them again because they're the benchmarks, right? 10-minute, 12-minute, 15-minute video, right? You put that on times 1.5, right? You smash through it, right? You do the quiz at the end. And that's the other thing. The quizzes they have on Google, two questions, right? A cloud guru, 10 questions at the end of the chapter minimum, right? That's what you need, right? Having... This short video that you have to click at least three buttons at the end of it and resize a window every single time, impossible. It just it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So that needs to be fixed, right? Now, the other thing about their videos is far too much talking head. It's just not necessary, right? They constantly cut back to the presenter and watch him wave his arms around and hands around and talk, right? It's just not necessary, right? You need to hold the slide, Right. You need to have the content, you need to have a picture on the slide, not too much words on the slide, right? And you need to have a memory mnemonic in the slide, right? Or put some memory mnemonics throughout the course. Um, one really awesome one was um, a um, presenter by the name of Lowry on a Cloud Guru, and he was talking about triggers, and he put trigger the horse in one of his, his uh, slides. And I, I, I remember that as clear as a bell because, because I had trigger the horse in there, and he made a little joke about it. So that's the way it's done. Um, yeah, it's, it's clear that this Skills Boost is a minimal viable product and it just needs a lot of work to get it, get it across the line, really attract me to it. I find the lab stuff is very good. I like the, the follow-along labs and the, sort of the checkpointing in that. But yeah, I do, I do agree with you on the video side of things. Like I don't need to see a presenter 
Well, it's nice to have it like an intro at the beginning, but I don't need it through yeah. most of the coursework. Yeah, have an intro at the beginning. Say, oh, I'm so-and-so, you know, you find me on LinkedIn, send me messages, blah, 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 blah. That's it. You don't need to see him again afterwards. Or maybe maybe something at the end, you know. It's like, oh, so now you're all prepared, go and sit the exam. Then then, then he can do the, the talking head. But presenting the content, you don't need to see the talking head. Any, anyway, look, um, I, I'm going to battle through a little bit more of it um, because it keeps keeps getting suggested to me by various people. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, at this point, I can't see myself actually using it to study for a cert. Um, I will second you on a cloud guru though. Uh, especially their GCP stuff has been, has been very good for like my own study. Uh, I did my ACE following along with them. I'm doing the DevOps cert through them now. Um, the Kubernetes one let me down though. It did? Very, very out of date. It's like 1.12. Right. So, mm, okay, I'll have to watch out for that. I haven't haven't done any Kubernetes stuff with them yet, but the Google Cloud stuff, you're right, is bang on, bang on. All right. Well, let's move on. Um, after that little depressing one, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's have a let's have a look at what Google is doing right with Google Cloud. Right. Um, I got this article here. Uh, this article is by uh, Mark Burnham um, on uh, programming programinsider.com. He's written a list of the the five reasons why reasons why you should choose Google Cloud Platform. The five reasons we're going to we're going to go here and have a little, little breakthrough, little little break them down, go through and break them down. Um, number one, the speed. Uh, customers of Google Apps and Google Cloud will be able to access up to ten terabytes of bandwidth. So yeah, it's fast. Like, there's no doubt they they have their own premium network, their own network, their own cables all over the world, um, and it's fast. It's just built to be fast from the ground up. Um, the 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 the, uh, the Google front end can take something like 150,000 requests per second, and you can just you can just hammer it. And I try to explain this to some of our clients um, that this 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 is not a problem, and they kind of. The numbers they don't they don't get <laughs> because it's so huge. <laughs> so see, one of the advantages of high speed is that it's cost effective. It means that when the network speed is great, more information can be processed in less time. Yeah, this is true, right? So it's an economy of scale. Number two on the list, security. Yeah, without a doubt, encryption at rest, encryption encryption in transit. Right. Uh, the company has invested more than fifteen years in developing security systems. Uh, Google employs more than 500 security specialists, all of whom conduct regular security assessments of the company's infrastructure. It's true, and we're, we're going to look at uh, Security Command Center a little bit later in the show, and there's a bunch of new features that have come out in Security Command Center. I mean, that, that thing, you, you put that thing in place, and along with all the other security, like using things like IAP um, and, uh, you know, uh, Cloud Armor, then you're secure. There's, there's no doubt. And I, like you've raised it before and you've mentioned IAP quite a few times on the podcast, like just that ability of like, oh, okay, I need to be able to SSH to this box. I don't have to open the ports for it. Like, no, you don't. Brilliant. You don't. It's, it's brilliant. It's, it's, a, it's really, really brilliant. And, you know, if you're, once again, I've talked about this before on the show, if you're coming from traditional IT meat space, then um, you that's not something you've had before, no. right? And 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 it's just a game changer, right? That's something you need to know about and something you need to learn. Uh, live migration, number three on the list. 
Uh, it's one of the most crucial reasons you should use Google Cloud instead of other cloud computing platforms. When Google needs to repair or upgrade its security infrastructure or when it needs to update software, the machines are not rebooted. Now, this was new to me. I didn't realize that. Um, I just assumed that, okay, yep, that host is down. You've, you know, your compute engine instance is going to reboot. No, nah, Borg, Borg migrates it, and then it, uh, the Borg node you were on upgrades, it in, upgrades itself in the meantime. So good. Like, so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Earlier, I'll just go on to read. It means that corporate networks will be operation 24 hours a day, seven days a week, without interruptions. Google would do preventative maintenance, and you will not be required to shut down your machines or reassign them to other hosts during this time. Just let it run. Let it, let it burn. Uh, number four, scalability. Uh, the Google Cloud... I love when people say the Google Cloud technology. <laughs> like it's, it, it, just, it just strikes me as odd, but then I think, oh, hang on. The Google Cloud. Yeah, so it's, it's Google's cloud, the Google Cloud. But anyway, <laughs> the Google Cloud technology can handle millions of visitors to a website without harming the site's reliability or speed. Yeah, this is true. So if you have a static website on uh, hosted on a bucket with a Google front end, bang, you're handling millions of, web- millions of users without a drama. Number five. This is the last one on the list, price. Um, Google Cloud does not impose a fixed price on its customers' purchases. Instead, it charges its customers based on the amount of data they use, which is charged per second. Right, so you can... um, I'm not sure how AWS or Azure do this. I think AWS is similar. But you you can spin up an instance or a database. In fact, I've done this for one of my clients, right? So you have an instance running... And uh, you set your you set a schedule, and then you have it so it shuts down for twelve hours of the day. And when it shuts down, it shuts down the database as well. So you're not charged for half the day for the running costs of that instance. And then the schedule will automatically start it up, and you have a script so that it starts the database at the same time. So you're only charged really half the price because it's only running half the time. All right. So you just charge the kind of the storage fees for the DB, but not actually the the runtime. Just the storage fees, yeah, which is... Pittance. Yeah. P- a pittance, really, a pittance, yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing that can reduce the cost dramatically. You're doing that for your dev and your staging environments, perfect, that's what you want. Or, or you're running an app that only runs in business hours, that's what you want. Shuts down, starts stuff up. Um, and then he goes on to say with his final insights, uh, live migration on the Google Cloud is not accessible in Azure or AWS. He, he, he's called that out as the, the number one, the number one uh, advantage that uh, you know, he likes about, Google, about the Google Cloud. Um, so there you have it, the top five reasons why you should be using the Google Cloud. Um, yeah, if anyone tries to uh, you know, make, make an argument towards you, then you've got that list there ready in your pocket, ready to tell them all about Very it. Very nice. All right, so let's move on here, take a look at this next article. Um, another kind of positive one, I guess, uh, is the the Google Cloud revenue jumps 45%. That, that is a decent jump. Is that just the, the Q4s or the – yeah, Q4. Yeah, wow. so Google Cloud fourth quarter revenue rose 45% to $5.5 billion from the same period last year with Google Cloud – platform revenue outpacing that growth. 
right? As parent company Alphabet's overall performance easily beat Wall Street expectations. Uh, still, we're still in industry number three. Uh, they had a big year. Alphabet and CEO uh, Pincher, I said, during uh, earnings call today with financial analysts. Google Cloud's revenue comes primarily from fees received for GCP services and Google Workspace. Uh, GCP recorded more than 80% growth in total year volume in 2021 compared to prior year and more than 65% growth in the number of deals exceeding $1 billion, Pinch I said. That is amazing amount of growth, absolutely amazing. Um, and then uh, Porat goes on to say, Porat is uh, the Chief Financial Officer, uh, we're very pre- we're very pleased with the ongoing progress in the business, and that's reflected in the revenue growth, our backlog, the breadth of customer wins, and the industry verticals, Poro said. We're continuing to invest aggressively. They are. They're absolutely investing. And we, we've covered that on the show a few times. They're even spending money in Australia, and it's our go-to market capabilities. It's our products. It's our infrastructure. So I think what Poro's trying to say there is um, – uh, and this is my experience, GCP products are highly engineered, right? They, they don't have the breadth of products that, say, AWS would have, but what they have is, is well-built, uh, quality product, high-performing on excellent infrastructure. That, I, I think you can't deny that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've come from, uh, from an AWS background, uh, and do using using GCP now? It's 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 night and day in some things. Like yeah, it's also kind of nice to not have to memorize you know two hundred plus services <laughs> to have a, something a bit more like focused. Um, and like oh, these are things I would actually use. Um, and there's just yeah, that, a lot nicer right. way of doing certain things. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I I, I look. I, I know I bag I bag AWS a bit, but I, I did do a bit. I did have worked on AWS previously for about eighteen months, and I, I always it always came across as sort of a shotgun approach with AWS. They they just fire a shotgun at a wall and and just spam out all these services and just hope you know one of them sticks or one of them you know does what you need it to do, rather than just having this sort of deep and narrow approach where you kind of know okay I'm going to go on to you know, big query, and it's going to be able to do everything I need to do. I don't, I don't have like you know, you know, three or four, maybe five or six other services that are similar um, that I have to choose between. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, the the growth is undeniable. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, this. I can't see the growth stopping. I really can't see the growth stopping. The amount of work we, I think, I can say, you know, there've been times that that uh, we've had to turn work away because we've got so much work. You know, there's just so many things going on inside Casna with, with, with small clients, big clients, everyone wanting to jump on board. Um, and that's just us. You know, imagine it worldwide. For sure. And um, finding enough people to be able to actually then do that work. I think that's a, that's a customer problem. That's an us problem. Like just, you said, the work's there. You would do it if you had the people to do it. Exactly, exactly. Now, the flip side of that, uh, another article I found is that they may have uh, a revenue jump, but they actually lost money. 
<laughs> Google Cloud lost $3.1 billion in 2021. Uh, this is another article on IT Pro. Um, the cloud giant lost $890 million in the fourth quarter of 2021 and $3.1 billion over the entire year, according to the financial results posted by its parent company, Alphabet. But they lost less than the year before, right? So they lost less in the right direction. Ex- exactly. That's the point, right? Mm-hmm. They lost less than years before. Cloud losses were relatively minor. And this, in the scheme of things, it's, it's chicken feed, right? Cloud losses were relatively minor compared to Alphabet's overall financial outlook. The company recorded record-breaking revenues at $257 billion for 221. I can't even say that in a Dr. Evil voice. No, it's, there's so much money. It's astonishing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's a 41% year-on-year increase, right? The company also reported Q4 revenue of seven, uh, $75.3 billion, which is 32% increase compared to 2020. So um, they're spending bucks on Google Cloud, but why not? They've got the money to spend. They they do indeed. Yeah, looking at that, I yep. mean, I don't even know where you start with numbers like that. <laughs> like a quarter of a trillion dollars in a year. Got to spend it somehow, right? It's just going to get taxed on it. <laughs> yeah, turn it back in, reinvest. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're going to go and have a look at some of the, uh, the new features um, that Google Cloud have launched just in the last fortnight, that have, the things that have gone GA. Um, and there was a bunch of new features that went GA in the last episode as well. So they're, they're, they're just ramping up development. They're ramping up spending. And why not? They've got the money there to do it. All right. So, yeah, while, uh, while we're on the subject, I'll try and segue to that now. Uh, let's take a look here at the first sort of uh, thing that has gone GA. Um, and that is... Uh, Google introduces new cloud client libraries for Compute Engine. I thought this was cool. Well, we are pleased to announce the general availability of cloud client libraries for Compute Engine, now available in Java, Go, Python, Node, Ruby, PHP, and C Sharp. So this is more like if you actually want to interact with Compute Engine from like your own applications, not so much for things that are running inside Compute Engine. Absolutely, yeah. So you can you can interact with the the Compute Engine API, right? The cloud client libraries for Compute Engine wrap the Compute Engine API and provide better language integration, improved security, and user authentication support. Right? Cloud client libraries and Google API client libraries both access the same Compute Engine API. However, we recommend the new Google Cloud client libraries for new development projects. So, yeah, so what can you do? Um, you can access the Compute Engine API. And if you take a look at the Compute Engine API, what sort of stuff can you do with the Compute Engine API? Well, you can do everything in compute. So you can set up disks. You can set up firewall policies. You can set up uh, health checks. You can set up you know, compute image in- images, uh, build instances out. Query your environment. and Yeah, um, you can set up. I think I mentioned this, routers, uh, SSL certificates, proxies. You can do all this stuff just with, um, you know, using the API, a couple of gets and puts and whatever you want to do. And the the libraries give you that API quite easily. 
And one of the one of the things I really liked about it is you can access Compute Engine metadata. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. Because that's been a pain in the neck to get, right? And if you go, it's very, it was really easy to find. Um, I uh, I had it I had it here before. What am I after? I'm after instances. I go to instances. Uh, I go to overview. Uh, and if I just search in here, oh, there it is. Metadata, right? So you can access metadata, key value pairs. This includes custom metadata and predefined. So yeah. There you go. You can you can access that with all your languages now. It's great to be able to use a first party library for that stuff. Like not having to craft your own like REST calls. It's just oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's a PITA. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've had to do that with um, uh, an, an Oracle Sand that I was working with. There was no library for it, so I crafted all my own REST calls and functions and stuff in, in Python. It was uh, painful, very very painful. <laughs> Um, yeah, so have a, have a look at that, uh, supports all those languages and I don't know, you could have, you could have a self-modifying instance. That'd be interesting to play with. (laughs) It's alive. (laughs) All right. Anyway, the next little thing I want to have a look at here is, um, virtual machine threat detection in security commands. And now this is cool. Protecting customers against crypto mining threats with VM threat detection in Security Command Center. Of course, they had to use the magic word crypto mining. Anything with crypto in it these days draws the draws <laughs> the ranks. crabs. It ranks. <laughs> it ranks. It ranks exactly. <laughs> so this new feature, what it will do, it will primarily detect crypto miners running on VM instances. Now, we've, we've reported on the show before the uh, Google Cybersecurity Action Team Threat Horizons report. And the number one, uh, the number one compromise uh, in Google Cloud is VMs that are compromised to run crypto miners. And I think it was something, just trying to remember the numbers now, it was something like 90 seconds. If you put up a... If you put up a uh, a VM once it's compromised, oh it was, uh, yeah, that's it. that was it. If you if you stand up a VM once it's compromised, it was you, on average within thirty seconds a crypto miner was running on it. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess it's such a like once you're on there, it's so easy to deploy that you don't have to. You're not trying to work out which data is valuable to exfiltrate. It's like oh, I can just take their compute time and start making money straight away. Like. That's it. And, and if you've got a farm of them, if you've got thousands of them and they're, they're working away hash, you know, hashes for you, then yeah. Yeah, you can see how there'd be value in it. Absolutely. Sure. This is a really fascinating uh, tool that they've got in here and, and where it sits uh, in the environment. You don't have to do anything on your VM. No, it sits in the hypervisor. And the hypervisor knows if there's crypto miner is running. Yeah. Yeah, so- yeah, that's what I thought was really cool about it. That's very, very cool. VMTD, that's the Virtual Machine Threat Detection, complements the existing threat detection capabilities enabled by the Event Threat Detection and Container Threat Detection built-in services to SCC. So it's an, it's an additional thing uh, that sits in the hypervisor and, uh, yeah, just um, detects crypto miners for you. Now, this uh, is available to premium SCC only. That's the snag, right? Um, and if you look at the costs 
that are around premium SCC, it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. If you're the kind of company that's doing like a million bucks a year with uh, with Google, there's a there's a there's a percentage or something that you got to charge that they charge you, um, and uh, there's sort of a sliding scale with with how much that you you how much you spend with Google. Right, you get some break get points as you as you move up. Yeah, the- yeah, that's right. I don't have it here right with me at the moment, but I'll, I'll link to I'll link to the costs in the show notes. Um, but look, if you've got a massive farm with Google, then then this is going to be worthwhile. Um, you know, uh, and and it's opt in for now, right? That's the you have to be an SEC premium customer, and then you opt in for your VMs. It is an opt in, yeah. yes. Yeah, and yep. if you're using yep. confidential computing, then they don't process that data. So I guess if you're using confidential computing, you can't have VMTD because it's sitting at the hypervisor level, reading the memory and confidential computing, the hypervisor doesn't know what's in that memory. Of course, of course, right. Yeah, you know, that'd be the case. Yeah, it has, has to be uh, accessible with the hypervisor. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, take a look at that. We'll link to it in the show notes. We'll, I'll link to the costs in the show notes as well. I was having a look at that. And, um, you know, maybe it's suitable for something. I, I know that there might be a client that I'm working with that, shortly that uh, might like this. So I, I could report a little bit more on this shortly. And then finally, uh, the last little feature that Google have introduced is, um, I like this as well. This is, this is more hardware. This is more chunky hardware. Um, compute optimized VMs powered by AMD Epic processors. Yes, today we're excited to announce the general availability of the newest instance series in our compute optimized family C2D, also powered by the third generation AMD Epic processors. I have to say, AMD are absolutely kicking butt at the moment. Um, I, I'm specking out my new system, still haven't coughed up the coin on it, but yeah, it's going to be AMD without a doubt. They're, they're absolutely kicking Intel's butt at the moment. And, um, you know, Google here are using them. Um, C2D instances take advantage of advances in processor architecture from the latest generation AMD EPIC CPUs, including Zen 3 core. Uh, instances are configurable up to 112 vCPUs, 56 cores, 896 gigabytes of memory, and 3 terabytes of local SSD. Not bad. Some big, big nodes. There's some big nodes right there. That's yeah, some serious compute. Um, C2D instances provide the largest VM sizes with compute-optimized VM families and are best suited for memory-bound workloads such as high-performance databases, gaming, high-performance computing workloads such as electronic design, uh, computational fluid dynamics, HDD, high CPU, and standard instances serve existing compute instance workloads, including high-performance web servers, media transcoding, AAA gaming, C2D high-mem machine configurations are well-suited for workloads such as high-performance computing and EDA that require high-memory configurations. So, yeah, we're talking about big, chunky systems that, that need the, uh, the CPU and the memory. Uh, this article goes on to – this is a Google Cloud blog article – goes on to talk about the performance improvement over the previous generation. And we're talking, you know, 30 to 40% performance improvement. Um, less cores, but fewer computational, it outperforms it. 
This empirical, empirical observation through the 30% improved stream trial results. C2D floating point improvements can also be seen in, in the 7% performance increase in the HPL results despite being run with 12.5% fewer cores than the previous generation EPIC processor. There's some just great generational performance improvements off those nodes. And like no one's going to turn down additional price performance improvements, right? That's... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Well, they're saying it's it's a it's about six percent cheaper as yeah. well, right? And I, I'm assuming uh, because AMD are sort of conscious of this. I'm assuming it uses less power. Right? You would think so. You would think so, right? Per core, right? Per core, less power uh, makes sense, right? Um, so why would you not go for it, right? And this article goes on to talk about a few um, use cases. Um, uh, can be that can be used in Kubernetes engine, which is great. Uh, currently available in US Central One. Uh, look, if you're just spinning up a little box, a little web server, or you're testing around with something, just put it in US Central One. It's the cheapest, right? Even if you, you know, we're, we're down here in um, Australia Southeast. Um, you know, I've got my personal website in US Central One. Um, just stick it in there. You know, if you're using a premium network, there's going to be no difference to the, your users ultimately. Um, it's also available in Asia Southeast One, uh, US East One, uh, US East Four, and Asia East One, Europe West Four. And I would imagine uh, the amount of money we've already talked about in the show before how much Google is spending in Australia. I would imagine that the upgrade is uh, on the cards for Australia as well. Yeah, you think so? Plus, I like I like the name of the instances. That C two D takes me back to uh, the you know, remember the Intel Core two Duo CPU. It was like the oh yeah, like, Core two Duo legendary <laughs> CPU. Like there are fond memories for the C two D. Yeah, yeah, they were they were in everything, weren't yeah. they? Core two Duos, desktops everywhere. Um, also available spot VMs uh, and via reservations um, and committed use discounts as well. So yeah. Get into it. Um, I'll be definitely, you know, probably specking out when they're available here because I know a lot of our clients want to have stuff in uh, Australia Southeast anyway. So when they're available here, I think I'll, that'll be my preferred preferred instance type. All right, we'll just finish off here with a couple of little, um, couple of little quick ones. Um, the vulnerability awards for twenty twenty one. If you're um, if you're the type that likes to go out and find bugs, or you've come across a bug, you can actually. Um, report it to Google, and there's money on offer. Last year, they set a record, and uh, in 2021, they're saying, we are excited to report that in 2021, we awarded a record-breaking $8.7 million in vulnerability rewards. Where's my slice of the pie? That's what I want <laughs> well, how to many did you put in? <laughs> yeah. well, Security researcher, in. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Bancroft? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Hey, I've got a show, you know, that'll do. <laughs> so, look, this is, this, is, this is some real money we can get here, right? $8.7 million, and that's, they've got a little graph here, that's up, like 20, 2015 was $2 million, 2021, $8.7 million, right? Um, although, you know what I did do? One of the last offers here, we, we're offering swag, right? The first 20 folks who uh, share this blog on Twitter receive a gift voucher. I've shared the blog. I haven't got my gift voucher yet. Probably worth the first 20. 
Probably wasn't the first 20, I know. That, that teaches me I should just read the article as soon as I get it rather than waiting to, for 10 minutes before the show to read it. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's obviously not great to see the growth of bugs, but it's certainly better for them to be found this way. Like, white hat people, find it, report it. Like, of course, they should get rewarded for their efforts. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Um, so that's last year. Now, I'll also put a link in the show notes to the Google Bug Hunters home uh, where you can find out all about this and you can submit your own bug. Ironically, the page is loading very slow. They're probably not hosting on one of those super fast web servers that we talked about earlier. Uh, so services in scope, uh, um, uh, anything on star.google.com, anything on star.youtube.com, anything on star.blogger.com, star.verly.com, star.com ondo.com and star.projectbaseline.com. So I did find a bug in the Google console last year. Uh, in console. Uh, that, would, that would be in google.com domain, right? Because you've got console, blah, blah, blah. Um, perhaps I should have reported it. I might go back and, and find that bug again and see if it still exists. I was actually able to break um, uh, cl- cl- uh, CloudNet with, with uh, the bug that I found. So if it's still there, I might be up for a bit of money here, Dave. <laughs> Very good. But, and even <laughs> oh, if yeah. not, it's you know, nice to do the right thing, yeah? Absolutely nice to do the right thing, yeah. Um, I think there's a, there's a key point, though, in this article. It's about uh, you know, non-qualifying vulnerabilities, right? Like, don't go spamming people's, like, appspot.com domains. <laughs> like, those are not in scope. They're not in scope. Yeah, sandbox domains, um, execution of owner-supplied JavaScripts, you know, uh, URL redirections, you know, pretty standard stuff that's like, yeah, you know, uh, email spoofing. It's like, yeah, that's, people do that, you know. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff there that's not not in scope. But, yeah, if you find a, a genuine problem, and here's, here's a, you know, cross-site scripting, cross-site registry forgery, mixed content scripts, Authentication, authentication flaws, server-side code execution bugs. Right, so that's the kind of thing that's in scope. Yeah, so links in the show notes. Uh, if you come across a bug, then, yeah, why not report it? You could be up for a piece of the pie. And the last little one here. Um, look, I just threw this in at the end here. I think it's a little cheeky one. Um I don't like to say the M word, the m- 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 Microsoft, the M word on the show. Um, Microsoft taking a little cheeky swipe here at uh, at Google at G Suite. Um, basically, they've put out an advertising campaign, uh, and it's 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 words to the effect of if you're a small business that's relied on G Suite Legacy Free Edition because we know they're, they're deprecating that now, um, we couldn't help but notice you might be in the market for a new solution. Right. This is the words of their ad, according to the post, right? We've got news for you today. You can get a 60% discount on a 12-month Microsoft 365 business basic business standard or business premium subscription, along with the help you need to make the move. It was always going to happen, right? Like, you, you got to capitalize on it when, there's, when your competition's making a move. <laughs> Swoop in, yep. right? That's, yep. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Yeah, oh, what a cheek, what a low shot though, right? Just coming, oh yeah, I can, you're getting all this, you were getting, you were getting this free stuff, you're not now, and you know the, you know the people that were getting it for free are going to be ticked off that they're not getting it for free anymore. Yeah. 
and then they come in, they make this cheeky move. I'm actually a little um, bit sad is- that I wasn't getting it for free. <laughs> like, like, oh, I could have had this for years. <laughs> yeah, what? You mean it was free? <laughs> anyway, this is an article on CRN um, Connecting Australian Channel um, by uh, Wade Tyler Millard. Um, and he starts out with, in a direct shot to Google, productivity applications rival Microsoft had announced a promotion to help G Suite legacy free edition users move to Microsoft 365 subscription. I'd like to know the numbers. I really would like to know who took this offer up. Um, because, you know, Microsoft, you talk, you talk about being Google being aggressive. Microsoft, though, are the king of being aggressive. I mean, in the past, they've they've really... Uh, they've really amped up, you know, what their their offerings. And I don't know about you, Dave, but I, I'm starting to notice um, that it's it's really starting to bifurcate more now. So whereas in the past you might have had sort of blended environments, um, now you're really seeing, um, at least this has been my experience literally in the last fortnight with interviews I've had for clients, right? They're really, if they're a Microsoft house, they just want to stay in Microsoft, right? They don't want to then try and introduce, you know, some, some G suite stuff, right? Um, whereas if they're, if they're on-prem or they haven't migrated to cloud, right? That's when you really need to get them, right? You need to bring them into uh, an ecosystem that's, you know, Google at that point. He was trying to, trying to pull them back from Azure or AWS. Unless they really are motivated to do it, right, it's, it's really quite difficult. They don't want to do it. Yeah, I think you know, where, you're right, especially where someone's going from a legacy completely on-prem environment whether they're using Office 365 or not, but just like... You know, Microsoft's trying to leverage, like, you've got Active Directory, now you can have AD in the cloud. So, that you know, they try and smooth the path that way. And once, yeah, once they're yeah. kind of tied into using Azure AD, and then... It's really difficult to pull them back from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you need to get them at that point before they've fully committed. Um, yeah, especially if they've got their data as well. They're using Power BI or something like that. It's just, yeah, it's impossible at that point. It's, it's a massive change. Um, so yeah, Microsoft are, you know, trying to pick away at that, trying to get in there. I suppose actually uh, as, as a counter to that though, like, like AWS doesn't have a kind of workspace, you know, end user productivity suite. No, that's right. I mean, you can bet there's been some closed doors discussion around that in AWS and, and what they're going to do, but uh, I mean, it's, it's a big piece of work. How do they... I suppose they would start with an MVP and just just build it up with there. I mean, that's basically what we've seen Google do over the years, right? Anyway, uh, a little fun one there to finish <laughs> up on. Um, yeah, I'd love to see the numbers around that. A little bit of housekeeping just to finish up the show. Um, go to iTunes, guys. Go to iTunes, write a review because it's really going to help the show. Um, you should find us in iTunes. You should find us all over the place now. You should find us in Spotify, a uh, bunch of other... Um, podcast aggregators as well whatever you use i use beyond pod on android and it, it shows up in beyond pod and uh and yeah write us a review in there because that'll really help the show of course don't forget to check out uh kasna between two clouds youtube channel where you see our ceo and cto talk about google cloud they occasionally interview one of us kasnians um and uh 
Don't forget to go and check out Dave Wall's LinkedIn profile as well. We're going to put a picture of him on the show website. Uh, and you'll, you'll, you'll see his smiling mug there. I'm going to have to update that picture because I don't have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, you can contact us at gcplife at casna.com.au. We've got the Twitter there as well, gcplife. And our website is casna.com.au slash gcplife. And of course, today's sponsor was Casna. At Casna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. You got anything else for us today, Dave? No, just thanks a lot for having me and uh, I've had a great time. Yeah, it's been great chatting with you today and I think that's going to be about it for two weeks. We will see you later. See you in fortnight. I liked a story about losing the uh, pallet loader kit. Oh, my God. I I panicked when that (laughs) happened. (laughs) I panicked.